And we finished singing just in time because here comes Matka, the fish peddler, right now. Matka was a fish peddler, which means that he would go out in his boat early in the morning, catch some fish, and then take them around from house to house with his old push cart, selling them from door to door. By afternoon, he usually had sold all of his fish, all but one, which he would take home and cook up as a tasty supper. Amatka was an excellent fisherman, and as he propelled that heavy push cart through the streets, he often found himself wishing that he could sell his fish in a way that would be easier on his poor, aching back. So one day, Matka had an idea. Why not sell his push cart and rent a storefront? How easy it would be to sell his catch of fish then. So that's exactly what Matka did. He looked around the little town, found an excellent spot for his fish stand, and he might need a little help moving all those fish, and began to set up shop. Noticing the other shops near his fish stall, however, he realized that people might not see his fish stand in the middle of so many other things for sale. Why not do a little advertising? I need a sign. Let's see, shall I paint Rabinowitz on it? Now, not everybody knows my last name. What about... Hmm. hmm, Matka needs some help. Do you have any ideas about what Matka should put on his sign? Anybody? What, what could we put? Fish? Okay, that, ooh, that would be a good... Fish. Anybody else who would... Fresh fish, okay. Anyone else? Like fish for sale, oh, okay. Come on, people, you're all marketers out there, I know. Yes, sir. What do you think? Mordecai's fresh fish. All right, those are all great. We're getting somewhere. So um, here's what Matka did. After thinking about it long and hard, Matka painted a sign to hang over the doorway of his little store with these words. Fresh fish sold here daily. All right, we got all of them. Good job. Okay. So, Matka had just climbed a ladder, hung the sign, climbed back down, and put the ladder away when his first customer arrived. What kind of cockamamie sign is that? (laughs) What's wrong with it? Fresh fish? Fresh? Why say fresh fish? Of course it's fresh. Would you sell fish that wasn't fresh? Your customers, your customers might get suspicious. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. So, Matka painted out the word fresh and replaced the sign. Settling back behind his counter of fish, his sign now read, Fish sold here daily. So Matka went out the next morning to fish, and as he carried his catch to his tiny store, he gazed up at his sign proudly. It didn't look half bad with the fresh removed. As his customers arrived, he forgot all about the sign until a second kibitzer came by. I like your sign, Matka. Thank you. But should you say sold? Of course you sell fish. This is a store now. Every merchant is selling their goods now. You don't give your fish away for free. Do you really need to tell people you're selling the fish?
Yes, I mean, no. I mean, of course. Once again, Mutka climbed up to his sign and painted out the word, sold. Now, Mutka's sign read, Fish here daily. As he looked at the twice-altered sign, Matka thought that keeping three words out of the original five wasn't so bad. It was short and to the point. Yes, he nodded to himself. The sign was much better now. As the morning turned to afternoon, Matka sold a number of his fish to the women and cooks of the village. He began to feel quite satisfied that his sign was drawing many customers. Until a third kibitzer came by. As before, Matka received a compliment on his handsome sign first. Eventually, however, the kibitzer quizzed him. Say, Rabinowitz, why do you say here on the sign? Fish here daily? Are you selling fish somewhere else, too? Where else would it be if not here? Yes, I mean, no. You're right. So, Maka painted out here. Now... Matka's sign said, Fish daily. As he packed up his little storefront for the day and wrapped up his own fish to take home for supper, Matka felt slightly puzzled. He couldn't quite remember how his magnificent five-word sign had now been reduced to the words, Fish daily. The next day, like every other day, Matka again carried his catch of fish to his little store with its thrice-altered sign. He had just sold a handful of herring to a neighbor when he spotted another kibitzer approaching. Hey, Rabinowitz, your sign is a little farblanget. Farblanget is a Yiddish word that means confused. Fish daily? Fish daily? What do you mean by daily? If fish are fresh, they don't come in and go out weekly, do they? And your fish are fresh, are they not? Yes, I mean, no. I'm in complete agreement. After all, Matka reasoned to himself, he went out in his boat every single day and the whole village knew it. Perhaps there was no point in taking up space on his sign with that bit of unnecessary information. And so Matka took down the sign, as he had done three times already, and painted out the word daily. Now Matka's sign said, Fish. Matka was looking up at the sign, reckoning with his growing suspicion that something now looked funny. About the sign. The kibitzer had called the sign Farblanjet, confused. But that's exactly how Matka was starting to feel. Suddenly, a fifth kibitzer strolled by. Pardon me, Rabinowit. I don't mean to butt in, but why do you have a sign that says fish when you can smell your fish from a mile away? <laughs> why, indeed thought Rabinowitz ruefully. So Matka the fish peddler took down the sign altogether. Thank you. The sign holders will now be seated. How fortunate he was to get such good advice, he thought. 
how helpful his neighbors were. What luck that he had others to guide him in his fish-peddling efforts. Excellent. But that's not the end of the story. The next day, Matka was sitting in his tiny fish stall, patiently waiting for the day's customers. Another kibitzer came by, a man who hadn't had a chance to see Matka's beautiful, fleeting, shrinking sign. Rabinovitz, it looks like you don't have any customers. Well, for the past few mornings, I've had brisk sales. But this morning, business is a little slow. And the kibitzer asked. So just curious, why don't you hang a sign? Why, indeed. (laughs) How easy it is to give suggestions and advice and ideas to other people. It's a little bit harder to put ourselves in other people's shoes, listen to them carefully, and then offer useful help. In order to make a meaningful contribution, you need to care about the outcome. Here's your quiz. Do you remember what the word kibitzer means? Anybody? Anybody? Yes, Aiden? Not very good advice sometimes. So when our service began, thank you. See, he was paying attention. When our service began this morning, I explained that a kibitzer thinks they know better than you do. In our story about Matka Rabinowitz, the fish peddler, so many people gave advice to Matka that his sign became less and less sensible. Sometimes we're all a little like kibitzers. We think we know the answer to someone else's problems, or we suggest what they should do before they've asked us. Or we give advice only when it's too late. Can you think of a time when you did any of these things? Can you, anybody? Can you raise your hand? It's okay. We're not keeping track of that. <laughs> so there's another religious tradition, Buddhism, that has something to teach us about when to speak and when to keep silent. In the Buddhist tradition, right speech means knowing how and when to use our words. In the Buddhist tradition, the definition of right speech differs slightly from teacher to teacher, but there are four conditions that most Buddhists agree on, and we have some help with this. First, our words need to be truthful. That's pretty easy. Second, right speech is speech that's kind and that promotes harmony. Third, right speech comes in a timely manner. And timely means that we will speak up in the moment when people are trying to solve the problem, not when it's too late for our insight to help. And fourth, our words become right speech when they're 
helpful or useful. Speech that is truly useful makes the other person and the relationship between and among us stronger. What does that have to do with Maka trying to sell fish? So, one of you, you were probably thought you were just being honest, right? When you advised Matka on his sign, you just thought you were being honest with him? Yeah, so. In fact, all of you have been trying to be helpful, but Matka, Matka, did you feel like you were receiving kind, helpful feedback? No. No, not really, no, no. So, it's all right. They were trying to, so. Can, can you all give him a hug and say we're sorry? It's, a, it's okay. H- hugs are good. Okay. So, we're all good now. See, that's it. So, does right speech remind you of anything that we do in this Unitarian Universalist congregation? See, you're getting a big hint from the peanut gallery. A two-word phrase begins with the word right. Anybody? You all are very smart. Yes. Right relationship. I ran out of sign, word, sign before I ran out of word. Right relationship is important in our Unitarian Universalist congregation, and here's why. Are you all getting tired up there? Okay, you can all sit down. It's okay. Thank you. So, right relationship is important because we don't all have to believe the same things as Unitarian Universalists, but we do share what's called a covenant a solemn promise to care for each other, and we show our care and love for each other by treating each other with respect, but also by communicating well. And some Unitarian Universalists call that right relationship. So practice that as you go about your daily lives. Say, if you're, especially if you're about to have a conversation that you're not exactly sure is going to go well, think right relationship and watch what happens. So this sounds like something excellent to practice out in the world, especially right now, right now. And it may seem easy to do in a community that holds some ideas in common about how to be in the world and how we envision beloved community, but it isn't always easy, even when you are in a place that values questions and seeks truth with a capital T, that deeper meaning. So we will practice and try and forgive ourselves and each other when we stumble, because we will. In his new book, Cultivating Empathy, lovely picture, the worth and dignity of every person without exception, that's right on the cover, without exception, a UU minister and director of the Religious Freedom Institute in D.C., Nate Walker, writes, When we fail to see another's humanity, we cannot use our imagination responsibly. We are incapable of using our moral imagination when we are not able to understand what it must be like to see the world through another person's eyes. He writes also of of seven ways of otherizing, making someone else an other, not you. And these are kind of, but demonizing someone, romanticizing, colonizing, 
generalizing, trivializing, this is my homogenizing, vaporizing. All ways that set ourselves apart from other people, whether as one-on-one or even as groups, especially maybe groups of others. What if we practiced right speech with people who have a different way of seeing the world than we do without otherizing them? Can you think of some examples in the news, in your own life, when you have set a wall between you and someone else because they were other than you, because you romanticized their background, because you demonized their position. It happens a lot. Could we ask better questions? Ones that might lead to a deeper, more understanding dialogue rather than calling something cockamamie, rather than labeling somebody a klutz or an idiot or stupid. Let's face it, telling anyone who shares an idea with you that it's stupid or a cockamamie won't get you much in the way of meaningful discussion. It kind of stops it right there. That's as far as you go. What if when you feel you want to say, that's stupid, because we all want to say it sometimes, that's stupid. What if instead of that stupid, you say, tell me more about what you mean by that. What do you mean by that? Can you use your imagination to come up with a list of questions or statements that would bring you closer to right speech in an uncomfortable encounter? That's work worth doing right there. And I would love, if you have a good question that you've thought of, send it to me. I would like to post that on our website so that we can all share In that moment when you just can't think of a thing to say, know there's a list of questions out there somewhere to help. (laughs) You may have to stop and Google it. This is so important, especially as this congregation, the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Frederick, deepens its work, our work together in the community outside these walls. It's equally important as we grow inside these walls. Let's practice just a little bit using one of your own experiences right here in the activities. So I'm going to ask volunteers to pass out some pens. If you don't have one, we have some markers. So just raise your hand if you need something. This is when you take out your fish because we are going fishing. You're going fishing. Instead of fishing for fish, we're fishing for words that lead to right relationship, to loving covenant. Inside your order of service, there should still be a fish, not a real one. That's Matka's territory. Should be a fish. Take a moment now to reflect on this question. What words coming from another member of this congregation have warmed your heart? Or what made you feel valued and cherished? What made you feel loved? If it wasn't words specifically, but maybe an action, you can write that down too. When you're ready, write on your fish or draw a picture. 
words that symbolize right speech or right relationship to you. And if there's someone next to you who might need some help writing, could you help out? We all are in it together. Take just a few minutes. All right, now, some of you can keep writing if you need to. That's fine. <laughs> I know sometimes it takes a while to get it all down. As you continue to write or think about this, so we can learn how to make each other feel cared for and valued, I'd like to display these fish so that we can each read each other's wishes for right speech here in this congregation, things that really touched people. And to know this, because sometimes we don't have these conversations with each other. We may feel that love and wonder and cherishment, but we don't often say it out loud. So here, this is your way to do it. And to help out just a little bit, there is a lovely fishnet hanging on the back wall of the congregation. So if you feel comfortable, you may put your fish in the fishnet afterwards. If you'd rather not hang it up, but you want those things to be on a list somewhere that we put on the website, you can put it in my office, and you can just slide it under the door. It's okay. As we end this service of friendship and fun and go into our day and into the coming week, let's remember that making our communication feel good is as imp- an important way to show that we care for one another, whether we're here or out selling fish. <laughs>